Mrs. Chaim Bravinder, the Rosh Yeshiva, the Web Yeshiva, who has still not learned how to use these uh, tools properly, but they are wonderful. Themselves, I come to you to give this year from a simcha in the family, which was very, really very nice. And all the time that I'm at the simcha and I'm giving the shir, I'm sitting in the same chair. It's really something remarkable. You imagine that a couple of years ago, you couldn't do this. In any event, I'd like to talk about Hanukkah. I want to say again that this year is sponsored by the Feldman family in honor of Dr. Chuck Feldman, a close friend of ours, wonderful person. And uh, this year we'll give two shiurim on Hanukkah because uh, in a, in a um, rare kind of situation, we get to the Pasha of Ayeshev is earlier is is the beginning of Hanukkah, and then usually it comes before Hanukkah. So what I wanted to say, I want to say this, that uh, the um, we saw that uh, the brighter, the brighter in, uh, in Shabbat, in the Gemara in Shabbat, the brighter says, the brighter says, I mean, I know I had it here at my sheet, which has somehow disappeared. Oh, there, there it is. Okay. The Gemara says that Hanukkah starts on the 25th of Kislev, which we all know. And during the eight days of Hanukkah, you can't, uh, you can't speak about the departed, about the dead, you can't fast, you, you can't do things that kind of are, are reminders of uh, very sad and desolate matters. But in that paragraph, in the Gemara and Shabbat, it says this, When the house of Hashmonaim, remember this, Batityahu and his sons, they went to war against the Greeks and they were able, they were able to, to emerge victorious. But in this section, in the, in the, um, in the Gemara, it says, it says something strange. It says, Gavra Malchut Beit Chashmonai. When the house of Chashmonai, the uh, majestic house, the house of the king of Beit Chashmonai, when they won the war, etc., etc. But it's not correct because there was no Malchut Beit Chashmonai. There was no kingship. That's associated with the Beit Moshe Hashemot. They were they were priests, and they fought in the battle because they were being compromised about religious matters. The Greeks didn't want them to practice their religion, and since the Greeks didn't want them to practice the religion, they went to war and they won. And they reestablished the service of the temple, but they weren't Malchut Beit Hashmonai. They were just kings. It was later on that they kind of installed themselves as kings. 
And that installation of kings also was was problematic. And it, the the Rambam, the Rambam said it in this way. The Rambam said, he says, Hoshiyami Yadav, that they they redeemed the Jews from the hands of the Greeks. And the house of Chashmonai, the house of the priests, the house of the Kohanim, of the Kohanim Gedolim, they killed them. They killed the Greeks. And then afterwards, so the Rambam has it right. First, they fought in the battle, and then they kind of established themselves as vic victorious. And afterwards, they established the house of the Hashmonaim is the house of kings in Israel. And that kingship went on for about 200 years. And you have another question about the Rabbah. How did the Rabbah said they went on for 200 years? We know that much of those 200 years, the kings of the of Hashmonai origin were were terrible people. They themselves prevented the Jews from learning Torah. They themselves, the Hashmonai kings, killed each other, killed their own family members, and 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 were, were certainly not an example of anything that you want to to see in Jewish history. But the Rambam says, the Rambam says, they established a king who was one of the Hashmonai family. And Malchut came back to the house of Israel more than 200 years. 200 years. Yeah, but over a hundred of those 200 years were terrible. So it was Rambam praising the house of, of the Hashmonaim, which ended uh, at the end with Hurdus. Herod was a terrible, uh, vicious, uh, despicable person. He was the king in Israel. And the Rambam says, oh, 200 years, it sounds wonderful. Sounds wonderful, we had 200 years. So we have two different questions. And I want to remember the two different questions. One is the statement in the Gemara. The statement in the Gemara is that Malchut Beit Hashmonai was fighting against the Greeks, where there was no Malchut Beit Hashmonai, where there was no Malchut Beit Hashmonai at all. And the second question, the second question is on the Rambam. How does the Rambam praise so cavalierly the the people who made up the, who were part of this, uh, the Hashmonaim, who made, who made the kingship of the Hashmonaim. But if you take the time to study the Ramban, the Ramban discussing this matter, you take the time to discuss the Ramban, to look at the Ramban, and the Ramban is is found at the end of Breshit, when Yaakov blesses his children. So he says, Lo yasur shevet mi Yehuda. He says to Yehuda, 
the fourth son. His fourth son, Ruei Shimon Levi Yehuda. Yehuda became the father of the uh, of the kingship. The kings came from Yehuda. Kings came from Yehuda. And in his commentary, the Ramban on that pasuk, which is Perk Memtet Pasuk Yud, Lo Yasu Shevet Mi Yehuda, Yehuda becomes the leading tribe and the tribe that begets the kingship, right? David HaMelech was from the tribe of, of Yehuda. Because, you know, there are many questions that are, that are connected to, to this idea that Yehuda was the king. You know, for example, what was Shaul? Shaul, the first king in Israel, you know, was from the tribe of Binyamin. And if Yehuda was supposed to be king, so why was it that Yehuda, that uh, Shaul preceded him? And as you know, Shaul was anointed actually by one of the most famous prophets in Israel, right? Uh, Shmuel Hanavi, what? the prophet Shmuel. Yes. Um, so, so it's not clear about kingship. So the Ramban takes time in his commentary to teach us a few things about the king in Israel. And he says, he says this, not, not the beginning of the comment, but in the middle. Lufidati, this is what I think. We all know that after David HaMelech, after David HaMelech came Shlomo HaMelech and a split and, uh, and not all, some of the kings came from the Malchut of Yehuda, the ones in the south, but many of the kings that followed in, uh, in what's called Yisrael were not from the family of David HaMelech, including, including Yeravam ben Nevat. was after David, after Shlomo HaMelech died, the country split into two kingdoms, a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom, the northern kingdom was, anyway, the southern kingdom was Rechavam, the son of Shlomo HaMelech, so that makes sense. But the northern kingdom, which split away from the south, had a different king. Yeravam ben Nevat. Yeravam ben Nevat was certainly not from the tribe of Yehuda, and he was a bad, a bad person. So how did that happen? How did that happen? So the Ramban says uh, that all the, the not come from the tribe of Yehuda. They're doing a bad thing. They're denying the directive from Yaakov, our father. So we know that, that the king of the south whose name was again Yeravam ben Nevat, 
he was installed by a true prophet, Achi Ashiboli. So people said, if you said, well, obviously it was it was allowed uh, because Achi Ashiboli was the one who did it, and if Achi Ashiboli did it, so we're allowed, we're allowed to have a king who's not from the house of, not from the house of David. And so it's so he said, he says, the fact that the Jews didn't recover and they kept appointing kings who were not from the house of David and not from the tribe of Yehuda. He says, and this is why the Chashmonaim were ultimately punished. They did it. The, the Chashmonim, the Ramban, he sort of doesn't understand. He says, they are Chasidei Elyon. I don't know what that means. They are the, the devoted to heaven, to God. Okay, I don't know what that means, but it definitely so popular. That the kind of people who want to do what HaKadosh Baruch Hu told them to do. And if HaKadosh Baruch Hu said the king should come from the tribe of Yehuda, so how come they're not listening? And if not for them, if they hadn't taken a stand against the Greeks, the Greeks would have been successful in wiping out, wiping out Torah and mitzvot. Nevertheless, they, they were punished severely. You see that even though even though the Hashmonaim were very successful and they fought the battle, but because they took over the Malchut, they were they were punished. And the punishment was so severe that Chazal said, You know, anybody who says about himself, My Yichus, I am from that. He's like a slave. He is, he has the status of a slave. There were no regular people left, so they're all they all considered to be slaves. And even though in the in the time of Shimon the Hashma, the the son, there was a punishment from the Sadducees. Yehuda, we David. I mean, that was their that was their sin. They were not from the house of David. They were not supposed to be Melachim, right? They were not from uh, they were not from Yehuda. And you know, they went against the pasuk. They went against the pasuk a little bit. I, to, difficult to explain, but but the Ramban is kind of very open-minded, and he confesses that that the Hashmonaim did a terrible thing. They usurped 
the kingship. They were punished. They were punished as they sinned. They became in the terms of slaves. The people who they were the masters of enslaved them. And then he goes on and he says, he says, well, they were Kohanim. So they certainly, that's certainly a chait. They should not have assumed kingship. They should have stayed to the business that they were good at, the, the kahuna. They should have remained Kohanim. Okay, we'll stop here reading this Ramban. You see, according to the Ramban, Malchus was not only an advantage, it was also a challenge. And according to the Ramban, the Chashmonaim uh, did not own up to the challenge. You can't say that they did the right thing. They did absolutely the wrong thing. They were not Yehuda, they were not David, and they were, they, they were not in the tradition of kingship, which they could have promoted they were Kohanim. They should have been, uh, should have stayed in the Beit Hamikdash, and helped to serve, uh, to serve the the priesthood. Um, I'd like to I'd like to inject a thought. You know that there is a Jewish holiday that seems to be dedicated. It seems to be dedicated to Malchus and that Malchus kingship. And that holiday, as you know, is called Rosh Hashanah. It's called Rosh Hashanah. And Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, we say Shvon Asre, and we say, you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, should be the king. You should be the king. We blow the shofar. We say psukim of malchiot. Psukim that remind us of a unique position of God. God the creator. God the one who makes the world to go and work. So Malchut is a theme that is very prominent on Rosh Hashanah. But if I ask you, what, what do you think? What do you think that theme is? What, what exactly are we praying for? What, what sort of Malchut is it that we are hoping for, that we're praying for, that we're talking about, that we're blowing shofar about? What is that malchut? What is it? So we know that it's very difficult for us. It's very difficult for us to understand what we mean when we speak about God. It's not just that it's difficult to speak about God, but even when Chazal have given us the words, even Achei Knesset Agdola taught us the Shmona Esrei, I mean, we've just got it all written out and it's there and they all do is buy a, 
nice Rosh Hashanah sitter. But what is it we're saying exactly? So the easy way to do it is to compare it to, compare ourselves or compare God to a, a terrestrial king. How's a king? How is it with a king? Well, the king stands up, everybody stands up, the king sits down, everybody sits down. Can't be talking about that. The king says, do this, everybody does it. Can't be talking about that. Besides the fact that God says things that people don't do. A lot of mitzvot, a lot of people don't keep the mitzvot. So I want to know what we are saying. What is it that we are saying? And that, I, I don't mean that I know what these words mean. All I mean is that I'm forced to think about something. There's something that I have to think about when I say those words. So as limited as it is, as limited as my thinking is, I, mean, I have to think about something. So I don't like this idea that God is like a terrestrial king, that God like, pushes people around, tells them what to do, says, I am the king, whatever kings do. Where is it today? I mean, we, we come from places where there are no kings. It might be aspiring kings, but there are no kings. So what is it that we are saying? So it seems to me, it seems to me that uh, what we're saying when we beseech God and say, you will, you will be the king over all. I mean, what do we mean when we say that? What do we mean when we say that? So I think that what we mean is that the difference between kingship and other kinds of leadership, political strength, is that kingship is, is a unified position. There's only one king. There's only one king. And that's the nature of kingship. So that as far as that king is concerned, as far as that king is concerned, the people see themselves as a joint enterprise under the king. And if you just compare, we're learning in another, in another shear, but if you compare the period of the Shoftim to the period of the Maccabim, you see the Shoftim didn't have a king. And because they didn't have a king, they were not unified. They, the period of the Shotin is a period of divisiveness. Everybody going off to protect their own interests. Everybody fighting their own little battles here and there. That's the period of the Shotin. But the Torah says that when you come to Eretz Israel, you have to establish kingship. Right? Okay, I understand. We don't know when exactly or where the directive was or why there was it. But you have to say, Sota Simalecha Melech is what the Pesach says. You, B'nai Yisrael, establish kingship. Okay, like I said, I don't know when and I don't know who's in charge and I don't know what's going to be. I don't know, but I know 
that the Pasuk says that at the end of things, when things are done, and they are the way they should be, then you should establish kingship. Because kingship is the notion that keeps us together. Right? That this is the dream. The ultimate dream, what's called Acharit Hayamim. That there's a, a kind of glue that glues us together and makes us and makes us a people. Makes us a, a, a people not fighting against themselves, but with themselves. And in order to get that, you need a unified, a unified proposition. You need somebody who can pull it all together. And so the 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 people, the people in in Israel, they couldn't get it together yet. The, the, the kingship never made sense to them. They wanted a king and they didn't want a king. If you look at the, at the at the stories carefully, you'll see they could not like sort of get relaxed about it. So they needed, they needed that. So if I asked you, what then was the battle that the Greeks about? I mean, what happened? Okay. They, they, they said, don't do this mitzvah, and don't do that mitzvah, don't do brit milah, for example, don't circumcise your children. Okay. But in the last 2,000 years, we've been through that a lot. We, the nation of Israel, we know how to deal with that. So why were they fighting? Why didn't they just give in and say, I'll do it secretly. I'll, seek, I'll circumcise my children where I can. I'll take care of the other mitzvahs some surreptitiously. After all, the Greeks were far from home. They also didn't want to fight, I imagine. They just wanted to earn taxes and other kinds of payments from the Jews. But what happened? So we have the first source. The first source is the source from the Gemara. And it says, Malchut Beit Hashmonai. Well, were the ones who, like, but the Malchut Beit Hashmonai fought against the Greeks. What do you mean they fought against the Greeks? So perhaps we should read it this way. They understood that the purpose of the battle that they were about engage in was Malchut. They wanted to make Malchut. That was the mindset. It wasn't just, it wasn't just that they figured out how to take care of the Beit HaMikdash, even though that was also true. But it wasn't just that. They knew that the Greeks had a secret secret weapon they'd be able to divide up. They'd be able to divide up the, the people just as just as after Yeshua Benun died, and then the, the Skenim were not able to pass on that tradition. They were bereft of a unifying force that we call a Manhig, uh, the leader of the generation. The people didn't have that. And because they didn't have, to have that, they had to go to war again and again and again and unable to finalize their relationship to each other 
until David HaMelech, until King David came along and he was able to do it for a short period of time. So you see that you have to understand that the Jews, right, in the time of the Shoftim and the Jews at the time of Hanukkah were facing a similar problem and that they knew, the Hashem knew, that if they didn't manage to bring their people together to explain to them or show them they had a common cause and that common cause that common cause had to be addressed and they had to figure out a way to live under the banner of commonality we're one people we have one goal we have one idea we have to create a situation which is reflective i mean that's what we do we say let's be reflective of the of god in heaven how is God in heaven? That's God in heaven. So we need that also. Not because we need a king as, a, as an ornament, but we need a king as a unifying force. As somebody who could show us the way to bringing, to bringing things together. I wish everybody a happy Hanukkah. I will see you next week. And I hope I'll figure out by then. How to do whatever has to be done. Thank you very much. Be well. Thank you very much.